purpose behind everything that happens in your life. It might be hard. It might be difficult to get through. It might be a long season. It might be a great season. But every season of your life, every season of your walk with God has a purpose behind it. And it is God's purpose that you grow in every season. Listen carefully. It might be a season of turmoil. It might be a season of trouble. It might even be a season of prosperity and blessing. But whatever season you're in, if you're not growing growing through that season, ultimately you're going to stay there until you get the lesson or the objective that God is trying to convey to you. Now, hopefully you're quick to learn. I'm slow to learn. I'm slow to learn. I'm stubborn. Oftentimes I'm rebellious, and I don't get the lesson up until about the second, the third, sometimes the fourth try. I know all of you get it on the first time. You never rebel against God. You always obey on the first chance, but not me. And so, but it's God's will that we grow through the things that happen in our lives. Somebody said that even seasons of blessings ultimately have to be seen as seasons of trial and temptation because you're tempted to forget the Lord your God. We oftentimes think that when things are hard, that that's when that's, those are seasons of testing and trial. Even seasons of blessings become seasons of testing and trial. You want to know why? Because that's when God ultimately wants to see that you're still going to be hungry for his presence when everything's going okay. It's prosperity that tests a man's character. It's not want. It's not lack. It's prosperity. So let's go to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. I have some applications that I want to share with you this morning by the grace of God. Uh, Let's stand for the reading of the word. They put in new lights and stuff. So so everything, everything, you see those lines running through the screen? That's electrical current probably. Don't get scared. It's just the... It's just the projector here talking to us. Let's read verse 35. Are you alive this morning? Ready? Read. Uh Uh-huh. Verse 36. Read that again. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just and other boats were with him. Verse 37. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea. And the wind ceased and there was a great Calm. 40. And he said to them, hmm. 41. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey? Bow your hearts. Father, we love you and thank you for your word today. Father, anoint me to preach it like you gave it to me and give these your people an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply, and we will be careful to give you thanks. Lord, I pray that in whatever season we're in right now, Lord, that you would give us the grace not only to know what season we're in, but Lord, to grow through that season. This is our prayer today in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Be seated. There are natural seasons where it appears that nothing is growing. For us, it's cold season. 
And that's not only for us, but especially in the east, on the East Coast in cold temperature cities, during the wintertime, everything is barren. But listen carefully. When there are seasons where there is no apparent growth above ground, things are still alive beneath ground. In fact, listen carefully. After winter, what season follows winter? Somebody help me with that. What season follows winter? Spring. What happens during springtime? Talk to me. What happens during springtime? Everybody say growth. In order for growth to happen in spring, that means that what's taking place during the wintertime is absolutely imperative. Don't miss what I'm telling you. What we don't see during the winter or what we see in spring is the result of what's happening in the winter. I'm going to say it again. What we see in spring is the result of what was going on in the winter. But the, the issue is, is that people tend to overlook their winter season because they think that because they can't see something, because there's no evidence, because they cannot perceive the hand of God, the work of God, they think that God has abandoned them, that God has negated or neglected his promise. I know you're not going to affirm that right now, but there have been times that the Lord has given you a promise, whether it's the salvation of your loved ones, uh, deliverance for your family member, your children who might be addicted to something. Whatever that promise is, when you don't see much activity, your faith is go you're going to be tempted to doubt and waver the promise of God. It's because you don't see much growing on the outside, on the surface level. But even though things, let me encourage you, even though things look like they're not changing on the outside, even though it appears that your life is barren underneath the soil, God is still working that plant isn't dead because when your season of growth comes ultimately what was going on beneath ground during the winter months is going to come to fruition it will manifest itself and I'm telling you by experience there is a time and a purpose uh, for everything under heaven that's what the preacher wrote Solomon is called the preacher that man of wisdom he said there's a time and a purpose for everything there's a time to plant and a time to reap there's a plan there's a time to kill and a time to live to dance he says there's a time for everything under heaven a purpose for everything under heaven and so there is a purpose for every season of your life even though you might not see anything happening God is still working somebody say amen I know you're not going to say, Pastor, that's me, but somebody here this morning and maybe for second service too, you, you don't see much happening but God is still working if I had a dollar for every believer that quit because they couldn't see God at work because they couldn't see things happening that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by what we see I'm glad that God doesn't let us see everything he's doing. You ought to be glad that God doesn't let you see everything he's doing. Because you would rather have him do it another way. So he says, I need you to trust me. I need you to walk in faith. I'm not going to let you see, Sister Christina, what I'm doing. Because otherwise you wouldn't trust. And your faith would never grow. Are you in the house today? Now let's look at the text. In our text today, Jesus is teaching from the boat. He was teaching the multitude from the boat. While he was in that same boat, he looks to his disciples and he says, let us go to the other side. Let's begin in our text. Now look at your Bible. Look at verse 35. Somebody read it together, or let's read it together out loud. Ready? Read. On that day, wait, everybody together. Ready? Read. On that day, somebody shout, that day. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, what? Key verse, let us go to the other side. The lake of Galilee is about 13 miles long. Uh, at its at its greatest length, it's about 13 miles long. That's not that's that that's that that's not just that's not that's not just a small. That's not that's not like uh, Lake Oweah. Jesus is here in the boat, and he's with his disciples. He had just got he had just gotten done teaching the multitude. He was tired. Many scholars believe that he was weary, 
and that's why he fell asleep in the boat. But in verse 35, it says, on that day when the evening had come, he said to his disciples, now let's go over, let's cross over to the other side. That tells us, first of all, number one, that our current situation, you need to know this, our current situation is not our final destination. And forgive me that it rhymes. I don't want to be cheesy, but you have to understand that seasons change. Seasons change. Where you are right now, how many like where you're at right now? Be honest. How many wish you were in a different season? Raise your hand if you wish you were in a different season. There you go. I wish my season was different right now. I wish my mother was still alive. I wish my family life was a little bit different right now. And I can say that to you with all sincerity. I wish things were different right now. God knows what things I wish were different right now. But I have to remember this. My current situation is not the end result. Jesus tells his disciples, let us go over to the other side. This is important. Jesus knew what was about to come. The disciples didn't. Now, on the Lake of Galilee, storms were, it, it, was, it was common for a storm to come without warning. It's not like here in the desert. Storms would come without warning, and so Jesus tells his disciples, let's go to the other side. This is a great promise for us right now. If you're in a difficult season, this ought to encourage your heart. Your current situation, whatever it is, whether it's good or bad, it's not your final place. It's not your final destination, and I'm grateful for that. Because if you're going through something, remember, whatever valley you're going through, whatever difficult season you're going through, it's not forever. And that encourages your pastor today. Because I know that my season's about to change. And I can always say my season's about to change because seasons are ever-changing. Now let's look at verse 36. Ready? Read. Just as he was. Read that again. And leaving the crowd, they took him. Took who? Leaving the crowd, they took him. Who's him? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. They took him with them where? In the boat. And they took him, don't miss this, just as he was. Don't miss that. And they took Jesus just as he was, and other boats were with him. Can I tell you, I don't want to spend too much time here, but you have to take him just as he is. And not just Jesus, but the season that you're in, you have to take it just as it is. I wish that God would choose a different season for me right now. I wish that he would. Maybe I'm preaching to myself today. I wish that God had a different way, an easier way for me, but that's not his way. I have to accept the season that I'm in, and not only do we have to accept the season that we're in, we have to accept him just as he is. You can't accept Jesus as people tell you he is. You can't, you can't accept Jesus as you want him to be. We have to take him just as he is. I, I can develop that thought and apply it to Christendom and modern, and modern theological positions. Because today people are taking or adopting a theology. They're adopting dogmas. They're adopting ways and ideologies that ultimately fit within their realm or their spectrum of what Christianity is. But that's not what God expects for us to do. God expects for us to accept this Jesus of Nazareth. This same Jesus, I love that scripture, this same Jesus, not another Jesus, this same Jesus that you saw go up, you shall see him return. Not another Jesus, not the Jesus you're comfortable with, not the Jesus of your own making. They took him as he was. What would happen if you took Jesus as he is? And not only Jesus, what would happen if you took the season as it is? I'm going to talk about myself today because y'all are looking at me bewildered. I, I go against the grain, and we go against the grain, and we go against the grain. Instead of saying, God, this is a season that you have me in. Remind me, Lord, of your promise that we're going to make it to the other side. He told the disciples, let's go to the other side. If Jesus tells you you're going to go to the other side, then you're going to make it to the other side. 
I love how Jesus gave them the promise, the assurance that we're going to make it to the other side. He gives them the promise before the storm comes. That'll preach right there. He gives them the promise before the storm comes. At least he gives us a promise before the storm hits. My God, he'll tell you that. That's how he is, isn't he? I'm going to bless you. And then he allows you to go through hell. And you're like, what in the world is go- Where's the blessing? He said, well, I told you I was going to bless you because I knew hell was coming. And if I didn't give you a promise before the storm came, oh, I don't believe that. Oh, I would have fainted. I would have fainted. Come on, I would have fainted. Y'all ain't talking to me. I would have fainted if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I would have fainted if the Lord hadn't given me a promise of the assurance that we were going to make it out of this thing. And not only did he give me a promise that we were going to make it out, but I believe that when we come out on the other side, we're going to be better than we were when we came in this thing. Somebody shout hallelujah. But some of you are confused because you don't... You haven't learned really how the Lord operates. He's kind of like that. I've said it before. You don't have to like the way God works in your life. I submit to you. This is your pastor's opinion. You don't have to agree. I submit to you that you seldom, if ever, will agree with how God is working in you. You seldom, if ever, will agree as to how God is working in you. You lack patience. God's going to put you with a coworker who rubs you wrong. Your marriage, needs, your marriage needs some things to be worked out. God's going to put you through it in a way that you would rather not have to endure. Why? Because he knows you won't change any other way. And I know you like to think that you're pliable and moldable. But no, sometimes you're hard and he has to break you. Oh, you think I'm pliable. The word of the Lord changes me. I let him mold me and make me baloney. You're over there singing, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Clay, more like a rock. And so he's like, okay, you want to be hard? Then I need to break you all the way down. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. I need to break you all the way down because change isn't going to come any other way. Hallelujah, I'm talking to some stubborn folks. I'm in the right house, praise the Lord. It's not only me. Look at your neighbor and say, you must take him as he is. Take him as he is. Not as we wish he was. Not as you might see him in the lives of other people. You must take him as he is. Look at verse 37 and 38. And a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Imagine this. Put yourself in the story. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Don't you hate it when Jesus is asleep? He was asleep on the cushion, and they woke him. Somebody shout, and they woke him. Somebody say, and they woke him. Look at this. There were a lot of things that could have woken him. There were a lot of things that could have woken him. Consider, number one, great wind. That could have woken him up. It didn't. Number two, water filling the boat. That could have woken him up. Didn't do anything. Is it because Jesus is a deep sleeper? The noise, the storm, the moving of the boat, all of those, you're not hearing me, all of those external circumstances could have woken the master. But nothing did. When did Jesus wake up? How many of you are deep sleepers here? I mean, nothing wakes you. I mean, you can sleep through, I mean, earthquakes. The whole, Really? Just one deep sleeper in the house? And the rest of you are light sleepers? 
Maybe I should talk to your spouses. I'm a light sleeper. At least I think I am. Am I a light sleeper? Yeah? No? You don't know? I blame, I, I, I blame my mattress. I paid good money for that mattress, so I better be. Uh, I mean, but I, I'm a light sleeper. Not, not, not because I don't, I don't really rest well. It's just, it's just I've, I, I'm a light sleeper because I've been relegated to the far right corner of my king-size bed. I have, I, it's not for lack of real estate. I, ha, I, have, I have plenty of real estate on the bed, but, but, but due to circumstances that will remain unspoken to, today, I have a small corner of the edge of the edge of the edge. I'm just going to move on because I, I, I want to sleep on that bed tonight. I do. He was on the stern to sleep on the cushion. They woke him. The disciples woke him. And they said, teacher, what do they say? Teacher, don't you care that we're what? Let me translate. Don't you care that we're dying out here? Have you ever thought, that it, that, 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 have you ever thought or felt that you were dying and that Jesus didn't care? Tells us secondly that problems come to reveal your perceptions. I'm convinced that what we see in Christendom is an issue of perception and perspective. Your perception of Jesus matters. Who you see him as matters. It is huge. Because ultimately, even the scriptures that you study, guess what? You will see them through the lens of what? Of your perception. You're not hearing me. You're going to see Jesus through filters. If you're legalistic, you're going to read every verse in the gospel. You can even take a verse that talks about grace and somehow make it into a law. Whatever filter you have, Pastor Joe, that's the lens. Whatever lens, Those little glasses you got on, you look real cool, by the way. Those little glasses you got on, Pastor Joe, you want to know what they are? Spiritually speaking, they're lenses. And you see Jesus through those lenses. You want to know why people quit when they go through a hard season? Because of the lenses that they have on their eyes. They don't see Jesus. They cannot perceive Jesus properly. And so they quit. They walk away from the faith. They grab their Bible. They read, but they don't see him for who he is. That's why they can't embrace him for who he is because of their perception. If your perception of Jesus is, the, is, is one who simply and only comes to bless, to heal, and restore, and do all things wonderful, you're not going to properly discern the season that you're in. And when tough times come, and they will, you're not going to make it out. Here's why. Because your perception of Jesus, how you see him matters. That's why he allows storms to come to change your perception of him. Some of you should be able to look back over your life and say, I know him now in a way I didn't know him then. Come on, when I started this walk, I only knew him as a blesser. I only knew him as I I knew he took care of me that way. But now that I'm a little bit older, he put me through the fire. I've been through a few things now that God has shown himself to me in a way I didn't know him. My perception of Jesus has changed. Talk to me in here. My perception of him is no longer the same. Through the issues that I've had to endure, how I see him now is not how I saw him then. And that's the will of God, that you begin to grow through the season that you're in. But not only grow, but, yet, but that your perception of who he is would change. It has to change. 
I don't care if you've been in the gospel 20 years. Your perception of him has to change. It has to grow all the more. It has to conform all the more into who he is in his own word. Because I promise you there are things that you've attached to him that don't belong there. Your pastor, there are things in me, perceptions of Jesus that I have, that I have growing up being raised in the gospel. I was raised under the pews, but there are things that God has been chipping away at little by little. Religiosity, y'all ain't talking to me. Religiosity that runs so deep in me. These things are deeply embedded in me. Things that aren't even, that aren't even, uh, how, do, how do I say, they're not, they're not even scripturally per- correct. Things that I, have, that I adopted along the way that the Lord's saying, that doesn't fit me. Let me show you who I really am. Because you can't even look at your neighbor and say, well, I guess that's how God is because that's who God is to them. I'm going to say that again. I guess that's how God is because that's who God is to them. You can't live off of your neighbor's revelation of who Jesus is. you got to know him for yourself. My God, I wish you were here today. I can't live off of my grandfather's revelation of who Jesus is. You can't live off of my revelation of who Jesus is. No, you have to know him for yourself. You will not stand down that day and say, well, he's the God of my mother. Yeah, he is. He might have been the God of your mother, but do you know him? remember when those fake followers of Jesus tried to cast out those devils in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches trying to live vicariously through the faith of someone else you got to know him for yourself how many would lift your hand and shout I want to know him for myself I, I want to you ought to be able to look at your neighbor your family and say oh that's great I, I'm glad you know Jesus well I know him too and, I, and I'm walking it out too so yeah I can't go by your understanding I can't go by your I, I can't depend on those things because my perception of him has to line up with his word and I still have some things that I'm clinging to that really don't match up they don't line up and so Lord my prayer is that you would change me through this season that I might see you for who you are But your problems come to reveal your perception of Jesus. Let me tell you something. The problems that I've had in this season of my life, they've come to reveal, listen to me carefully, the problems that that I'm enduring right now, the problems that I'm going through right now are revealing my perceptions of Jesus. Some of them right, some of them wrong. And you've got to be mature enough to say, not all of my perceptions of Jesus are right. You have to be able to say, some of my perceptions of him are wrong. And how does he reveal those things to you? Guess what? Through problems. When problems hit your home, he's going to reveal the kinks in your armor. He's going to say, mm-mm, right there, that's got to change. And, you, and it would never change if, you didn't, if I didn't allow you to go through this storm. It would stay the same. Whew. How would you change? I want you to think about this. Let's just talk today. Would you ever change if you didn't go through problems? Would you ever change if you didn't go through a storm? You think you'd change on your own? You think you'd volunteer and say, ooh, I want to change. You really think you give yourself that much credit? No. Oftentimes the changes in our life come because we're thrown into a storm. Did you volunteer for that? Did you ask for this? How many have ever said, Lord, I didn't ask for this? How many have ever said that or thought that? Oh, oh I know I have. It, may, it might not have come out of my mouth, but I'm thinking, I don't, how about that? I don't deserve this. Y'all are looking at me real quiet. Like, I don't deserve. Why? Why? Thank you, Brother Mo. You're the only saint up in here that's on. All right. Why? Why not my neighbor? She deserves this kind of hell in her life. (laughs) 
Watch what the disciples said. They said, don't you care? Think about that. They told Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? Now, put, put up the, side, the sub point there. It's, it's not that they wanted him to do something. You got to hear this. It's not that the disciples, they didn't wake him up because they wanted him to do something. They woke him up to complain about his apparent indifference. You're not hearing me. Pastor Joe, the disciples didn't wake him up and say, save us. No, they woke him up. And guess what? Instead of asking him to do something, they just said, don't you care? (laughs) They wake him up and say, they didn't say, save us, deliver us. They wake him up to say, don't you care that we're dying? Just like some of us, we're in the middle of a tough season. And instead of asking God for direction, insight, or to reveal in us what needs to change, instead we complain and grumble. They didn't ask him to change something. They were just upset that he appeared to be indifferent. Look at verse 39. Ready? Read. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going ahead of you, brother. 39. Ready? Go. And he awoke. Why do they only have five of y'all reading? Come on, 8 o'clock. Ready? Read. And he awoke. And what did he say to the sea? And the wind ceased. Now, that word rebuked is the same word that he used when he cast out devils. Or when he told demon spirits to be quiet. It's the same exact word, same authority. So that tells us that the storm was either demonic or it was sent by Satan to incite fear. We also believe that that's true because the disciples were stricken with fear. And the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. So the presence of fear and the rebuke of Jesus means, or many believe, that the storm was incited or provoked by Satan. Jesus gets up and rebukes the, rebukes the wind and the waves. Watch it now. He rebukes the wind and the wave, and he says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great what? There was a great calm. Let's keep reading verse 40. Ready? Read. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Number three, that tells us verse 39 and 40 tells us the following. Number three, give it to me, brother. The third point, that storms of your life are the perfect place for the Lord to show you his power. The storms of your life are the perfect place for the Lord to show you his power. How would you know that he's a deliverer if you never needed to be delivered? How would you know that he's a healer if you've never been sick in your body? Now, it's not that you want it. It's not that you signed up for that trouble. But here's the reality. Here's what you and I cannot deny. God reveals himself to you and he demonstrates to you his power. And let me say another thing. Some people have said, well, I want to see miracles. I want to see this, that, and the other in the church. And I've said this to you before, but I feel led to remind you of the following. Why would God, God is not in the business of showing himself off for no reason ultimately a lot of times a lot of times that God reveals his power to us it's because it's a it's absolutely necessary or he he never does it to show off a lot of times in church now let me tell you something do you believe that God has the power to heal do you believe he has the power to heal so why does God need to show off to convince you that he has power to heal if you already believe that Somebody said, I want to see it in church. Well, so do I. But here's the thing. You want, God oftentimes shows his power when there's a need. Why would he show off in front of people that already believe that he's able? You don't need to see that because you already believe that. At least I hope you already believe that. So why do that? God's not in the business of showing off like that. We're in the business of showing off like that. So we hold healing meetings. We hold deliverance meetings. We do these things. God's not in the business of showing off. Why does he need to do that? You already know him. You believe already. 
Does he do miracles? Yes, I already believe that. So you want to know when God's power oftentimes shows up? In the presence of those who don't yet believe. Because after they see his power, what happens? They tend to what? Believe. Are you following me here this morning? But storms, they provide an opportunity for God to really show his power. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't know him the way I do today if it hadn't been for those seasons that were hard. I didn't know the Lord. When my mother passed away, God began to show himself to me in a different way, in a way that I didn't know him before. Do I miss my mother? Terribly. I miss her piano playing terribly. Every time I look back and see that piano, there have been times that I wanted to move that piano, sell that piano, because every time I see it, I think about my mother. Are you hearing me? But there were things in my walk that, that couldn't change. There were things that, I, that, 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 had, that had to go, things that, things that had to go and things that had to come that couldn't have happened any other way. There were things that I were depending on, things that I were trusting in, that God couldn't do away with without the absence of my mother. And, it's, and I have to be careful there because it's not as if God, I have to, I'm, I'm leery. I have to be cautious when I say that God can't and can, or that God can and cannot do as if we somehow have the power to stop the mighty hand of the sovereign Lord. I, I cringe when I hear people talk about, you have to let him, you have to let him. Let him? Do you really let God do anything? Do you really think that you limit the God of creation? You really think you have that kind of power? And so we have to be careful. Because I believe that ultimately, yes, you and I have responsibility in this. We do. But at the end of the day, the sovereign Lord will do with you as he well pleases. Now, I think where, 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 where this comes into play is, whether, is are, are you going to come willingly or kicking and sc- sc- screaming? You can either come by his hand or he'll pull you by your ear. Pick. Y'all are looking at me like your ears are real tight and nice. Like, no, have you ever been drugged by your ears? Some of y'all ears, Brother Andres. I'm not, Brother Andres, I love your ears, by the way. Good luck. Look at verse 40. He said to them, we're almost done. He said to them, why are you so afraid? You still have no faith. That tells us, fourthly, that the presence of fear reveals a lack of faith, and it reveals an area that requires growth. They were worried. They said, don't you care? Don't you care that we're dying? That tells us that the presence of fear reveals a lack of faith, and not only a lack of faith, but an area that requires growth. They were worried. They were worried that they were going to die. Think about this. They thought they were going to die in the presence of Jesus. How would they die and he not die? Was it possible for them to drown and Jesus not drown? They said, we're going to die, don't you care? By we're, they meant him too. Think of that. But if Jesus is in your boat, that's a guarantee that not only are you not going to die, but you're going to make it all the way to the other side of your destination. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, though. When, when you're going through a hard season, you feel like you're going to die. I felt that way. I feel like, God, this is the end of me. This is the end of us. This is the end of the church. This is the end of the minute. This is the end, the end of whatever you're, whatever you're dealing with. This is the end of it. The Lord says, no, I'm in the boat. I know it feels like I don't care, but I'm here. He rebukes the storm and changes our perception of who he is. But while, while we're in that season, he's going to reveal those things in you that need to grow. 
what are you still afraid of? What are you still worrying about? That area, and you know you have them, that area is an area you need to grow. You need to grow. How many would say today, I, I need to grow still in some areas of my life, right? How many think that you're no longer, you no longer need to grow? You've reached perfection. Perfection in your walk? Perfection in your faith? Sister Lupin, no perfection for you yet? Still working on you? There are areas of your life that you still need to grow in. There's still fear there. There's still worry there. Right now, I'm worried about my children. They're in that crucial time. My daughter's a junior in high school. I see all of her friends acting a certain way, dressing a certain way, and I'm worried about my daughter. I see some of these girls in high school, with all due respect, they're dressing like they're 20 years old. And I look at them like, my Lord, who let you out of the house? I feel like being their father. I pick up my daughter. I'm just being honest. Pray for me. I know y'all don't feel this way. Pray for me. I pick up my daughter from high school, and I see these girls, Elder Brown, and I feel like running outside. I feel like getting a cover. I feel like getting a cobija. Not just any kind of blanket. One of them San Marcos ones with the lions, the tigers on it. One of those and just wrapping them from head to toe. Who let you go outside like that? Same age as my daughter. That's why I wanted sons, but the Lord punished me and didn't give me a son. My mom used to tell me, I hear her words, they haunt me. She said, Ronan, whatever you do to us, it's going to come back to you. That was before I had kids. Brother Manny, don't help me in this. Brother Manny, been quiet the whole sermon, and now I get it. That's right. <clears throat> My mom used to say, Ronan, whatever you do to your parents, it's going to come back to you. Ten cuidado, mijo. And guess what? Two girls. I need to grow in some things. I worry. I know what God has spoken over my children, but I still worry. And that worry takes me to a place that doesn't honor God. So where do you need to grow? What are you afraid of still? God's trying to work that out of you. Amen, somebody. Now, it wasn't, let me say this, put up the side point. It wasn't the disciples' fear. That's not the issue. They were scared, and they had a right to be afraid. A lot of times people... People in the church think, well, I can't ever struggle. No, no, no. The fact that you're struggling means that you want to change. There was a time that you weren't struggling with that sin. Somebody says, I'm struggling, and I shout, hallelujah. And Sister Liz, they look at me like I'm crazy. Pastor, I'm really struggling with this. And I say, praise God. And like, praise God. Don't you hear me? I'm telling you, I'm struggling with that. I say, well, praise God. Why praise God? Because before, before you knew the Lord, you weren't even struggling. Y'all ain't hear me. You're struggling with that? Praise God that you're struggling before you used to just embrace it and accept it. I'm struggling with this sin. Praise God that there's a struggle before you were living in it, walking in it, swimming in it. But now at least there's a what? Now there's a struggle. Somebody shout, there's a struggle there. I want to say the struggle's real. You bet it's real. It's not, it's, not, it's not that they were wrong for being afraid. Being afraid was natural. The boat was sinking. The water was coming in. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I can't swim very well. One day, Brother Andres took me fishing. We went out in this little boat in Lake Hemi. It was just him and I. And I was doing the Bert and Ernie here, fish, 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 fish. And everything was cool. But, I, but I, let me tell you something. I was low-key scared. Because if I fall over that boat, it's done. It's a wrap. Finito. Ay te guacho. Vaya con Dios. No more pastor. Andres is there standing up. Come on, he's doing, he's doing ballerina stuff on the boat. And he's standing at the edge. And he's doing all kinds. And there I am like that, right in the center. 
it's not a sin. It wasn't, their lack of faith wasn't shown in the fear itself. No, it's not the fear. The fear itself wasn't the problem. It's what they did with that fear. It's not your season. It's not the season that you're in that's the issue. It's what you do with it. <laughs> it's not about being afraid. That's natural. That, that wasn't the lack of faith. The lack of faith wasn't in the fear itself. No, it was in what they did with the fear. Their lack of faith drove them to accuse the master of being indifferent. You see, it's okay to be afraid sometimes. It's okay to, to, to worry sometimes. But, but listen, it's what you do in that season that matters. What are you doing with where you are? Are you hearing me? Let me tell you something. I can take the season that I'm in right now and stay stuck in resentment, hurt, unforgiveness, all kinds of things that don't honor God, just like you can stay stuck in your season right now. So ultimately, that tells us that there's a difference. Put, put it up. Growing through a season and going through a season, they're not the same things. So choose wisely. You can go through something or you can grow through something. I, I want to be able to say that my marriage is stronger and better after this season. I want to be able to say that I'm stronger and better when I come out of this season. I want to be able to say that I grew through this season. If you're in a season of blessing right now, I pray that you're growing in your walk with God. I pray that you're growing in your trust all the more. Right now that you got money coming in from all sides, I pray that you're growing all the more closer to Jesus because your season's going to change. And if you're going through a season of struggle, I pray that you're growing all the more. You're not just going through a season. Hopefully, you're growing through this season. Well, you might not like the season you're in, but I hope that you're growing through this season. Going through and growing through, they're not the same. Hopefully, you can say, yeah, everything's not like I want it to be, but I am growing. Somebody shout, I'm growing. By, come on, I know you don't feel like it, but by faith, you got to say, I'm growing through this. I'm growing through this. I'm growing. Even if you got to tell yourself every day, my good friend, Pastor Adam, uh, we, we tell each other all the time. Every time we talk on the phone, we say, brother, have you preached the gospel to yourself lately? Every time we talk, brother, uh, Pastor Adam, are, are, are you reminding yourself of the gospel? And I say, yeah, I got to do we both remind ourselves remind yourself of the gospel because you got to grow through what you're going through right now we deal with depression on a scale that you would not imagine discouragement on a scale that you would not imagine as minister and so we encourage one another to grow through these seasons we're both young ministers we're both young pastor we both have 12 or 13 years and we're still growing i'm not there yet and neither are you there's still room to grow and God's using the season that you're in to guess what? You want to know what he's doing? He's trying to grow you. He's trying to grow you. They were filled, 41, they were done, and they were filled with great fear. Said to one another, who then is this? Think about that. Who's this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. How, how are you going to be in the boat with Jesus and still wonder, who's this? Have you ever been walking with God, hanging out with the Lord, just walking with the Lord, just walking with the Lord, and then, you, then, then something happens, you're like, who is this? I love talking to you. I love preaching to you about things that, that cause you to just be like, well, I've never said anything. I would never do that. They said, who is this? What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey that tells us, lastly, that problems come to challenge. Not only do they reveal our perceptions, they come to challenge and to change your perspective and your perceptions of Jesus. 
who is this? Who is this? So here's the application. Trust the Lord. Take him at his word. Are you there, brother? Here's the application for us. The Lord told him, we're going to go to the other side. That tells us then that we need to trust the Lord and take him at his word. If he told you you're going to the other side, then you're going to make it all the way to the other side. Trust the Lord. Take him at his word. Number two, he cares and is concerned about us, so resist the temptation to doubt such. Satan has come to me with some very dark thoughts, very, thought, very dark feelings and emotions because he's tried to convince me that the Lord didn't care about what was happening. I know God. I know the Lord. I know his word fairly well. I'd like to believe this. But I'm still prone to thinking very dark things, things that don't honor God, things that go contrary to his nature. And if I'm prone to it, why wouldn't you be? Don't allow the enemy to convince you that he doesn't care about what you have going on. He cares. If, in fact, if anybody cares, it's the Lord. Amen. Tell your neighbor he cares. No, come on, tell him like you care. Tell him he cares. He's concerned about you. How many have ever felt that he didn't care really about what was going on? All five of you are being honest. The rest of you are lying. Pastor Joe, I mean, I, I, know, I know you're a man of faith. But you can't tell me that there weren't moments that you thought, Lord, do you even care about what? Well, you said many times. Well, thank you for your honesty. I'm right there with you. Many times. Lord, do you even care about what's going on? Don't you see what's going on with me? Year after year after year after year after year. Think about that. You don't think he was given to say, God, do you even care? He cares. But guess what he's doing through that season? He's growing you. Let's continue. I'm out of time. Thirdly, here's the third application. Put it up there, brother. We need to see our current season as an opportunity to see the Lord's power. I got things going on in my family that I'm waiting to see his hand at work in. I don't know how he's going to fix it, but my prayer is God fix it. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm waiting to see the Lord's hand at work here. Guess what? Because I can't fix it. I wish I could. I can't fix it, but I'm waiting to see the Lord's hand at work because I know that eventually I'm going to feel the Holy Ghost. I know eventually I'm going to see the Lord's hand at work. This is too big for me. You ought to thank God that you're in a situation that's too big for you. Too big for you. God, this is over. I'm in over. Thank you, Lord. I'm in over my head. That's what the disciples were saying. Jesus, we're in over our head right here. And Jesus was asleep. What do you do when you're in over your head? You go to the master. You wake him up. That's what you do because he will rebuke the storm in your life and get you to the other side. Call on Jesus because he cares. What would happen if you looked at your problem, whatever your problem is? And I told the brother, what would happen if you, if it's financial, what would happen if you looked at all your bills and say, God, I don't, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I believe that I'm going to see your hand at work here. It's not because of mismanagement. Come on, talk to me. It's not because I'm buying things I can't afford. Lord, we truly have a need, but I believe that in this need, you're going to show your power. I believe in my marriage, in my children, in my health, whatever my issue is, whatever season I'm in, I believe this is an opportunity for you to show your mighty hand. Because the hand of the Lord is the hand of the Lord. Is the arm of the Lord too short to save? What would happen if you walked out of this church service looking at your problems as an opportunity to see God work? That's exactly what they are. You don't see them that way, but that's what they are. Look at your season that way. It's an opportunity for the Lord to work. Fourthly, recognize the areas of your walk with God that need change. 
God wants to change. They need to change. Recognize them for what they are. Everybody in this church, everybody at this 8 o'clock service has areas that need to grow. You have areas that need to change. Everybody. Pastor, down. Everybody. Everybody. From the oldest to the youngest, you have areas that still need to change. So believe God for that. Recognize those things and say, Lord, these are things that need to change. Lastly, here's the last one before we go. Choose growing over grumbling in your season. Choose to grow. Sister Tammy, choose to grow. Being afraid wasn't the, wasn't the lack of faith. It's not being afraid. Jesus said, do you still have no faith? Why is your faith still so little? It wasn't that they were afraid. It was what they chose to do with that fear. I submit to you today by the authority of the word of God that you have no control over the season you're in, but you do have control over how you react. You choose to grow in that season or you choose to stay stuck. It's your choice. But I have bad news for you, for some. I'm sorry, here it is. You're going to stay in that season until, until God's purposes are accomplished in your life. You don't believe me? Ask Israel, 40 years in the desert. You'll stay there and won't come out a minute before you're done. Bow your hearts. Father, I thank you for your word.